Here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith. When the scripture says that he canceled it, he took it away, it means wiped away, blotted out. The mountain of debt that was accumulating, that could never be repaid, was taken by Jesus, born by him on the cross. And it's incredible when you and I go to him and we say, Lord, forgive us. We don't always grasp how incredible it is that Jesus died for us on the cross. It may be impossible to fully comprehend the magnitude of what that sacrifice meant. Pastor Ed reminds us today that our sin has created an enormous amount of debt that could never be repaid. And yet God is so loving and gracious that he's completely obliterated that mountain. We're no longer slaves to our insufficiencies. We are free. That truth makes you want to shout it from the rooftops, doesn't it? Well, let's join Pastor Ed in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 12, for his continuing study entitled, And Forgive Us Our Debts. You know what your greatest need is? My greatest need is forgiveness. When we come into the presence of God, we know how much we need to be forgiven. We see ourselves for what we are. When we are estranged from God's presence, when we are cold in our hearts, when we are indifferent to God, we don't sense our desperate need of God. But once we come near to Jesus, we have the experience that Peter did when Jesus performed a miracle. And Peter said, Lord, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. See, when you come into the presence of Almighty God and when you're walking in communion with God, you know you're a sinner. This request is an incredible request. We've hurt God. We've caused him incredible pain. We've turned our backs on him. We've gone our own way. And then they come, forgive me, God. And then we go out and do the same thing. And then... We live as though forgiveness cost him nothing. In Colossians 2, verses 13 to 14, it says, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive in Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations. That was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. I want to just read a definition that one person gave concerning Colossians 2, verses 13 to 14. These verses explain precisely how God forgave our debts. They speak of a written code. In the Roman world, the Greek word for written code referred to any handwritten signature. But it had a specialized meaning in the world of finance. There it referred to a certificate of debt signed in a debtor's own hand. What today we would call an IOU. A man would write out how much money and then he would attach his signature to it. When the Apostle Paul spoke of this certificate of debt, 
He called it a written code with its regulations. Obviously, what he meant by the written code was the law of God. What Jesus did is we had a large IOU. He took our IOU, and on the cross, he held it as the nail pierced his hand. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. See, he nailed all of those violations to God's law. The Ten Commandments can be wrapped up in what Jesus said. The first is the greatest commandment is to love God. Second, to love our neighbor. All of the commandments hang on that. And all of us have failed. That's what the songwriter meant when he said, and it is well with my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in the part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. When the Scripture says that he canceled it, he took it away, it means wiped away blotted out. The mountain of debt that was accumulating, that could never be repaid, was taken by Jesus, borne by him on the cross. And it's incredible when you and I go to him and we say, Lord, forgive us. The cost that it cost him to pay for our sins was astronomical. He separated from the Father, the triune God who knew perfect unity and no separation for the eons in the past and the eons in the future, for that moment in time, ripped apart as God the Father turned his back on him. He will bear for all eternity the marks upon his hand, his brow, of the cost of our redemption. Our greatest request is forgiveness. Our greatest need is forgiveness. We've all seen people holding things in their heart. I remember receiving a letter back in a former church, and it was about somebody in the Christian community. They said, listen, if that person doesn't get the chip off their shoulder and the grudge off the other shoulder, they're going to break their back. We've seen people who have held something done to them, and they sort of nursed that grudge. They recalled it. They remembered it. They thought and dwelled on it, and how that would grow and consume and destroy. Our greatest need is to receive forgiveness and to give forgiveness. John Wesley, when he was here in the United States as a missionary, doing missionary work, met General Oglethorpe, who was a very proud man. And he had an unbending nature. And he said, I never forgive. And Wesley replied to him, Then I hope, sir, you never sin." 
Think about all the wrongs that God has suffered at your hands. Think about all the wrongs that God has suffered at your hands. The times you've ignored him. The times you've neglected him. The times you've turned your back on him. We need forgiveness. It's the greatest request. There's nothing more important than that you're forgiven. Because if you're not forgiven, all eternity outside of God, all eternity in hell, all eternity without the presence of God, it's your greatest need. When people walk under the burden of guilt and shame, when people walk not being forgiven by God and not living in forgiveness, their soul withers, their capacity to enjoy life is diminished. They are their own prisoners. I read an astounding account of Lloyd LeBlanc. He went, he went to a prison to visit Patrick Sonier, who had killed his son. Lloyd LeBlanc went out to the field when his son was killed. He saw his son's body. The eyes of his son were bulging out as this child was abused. He was a Christian. Lloyd knelt down and he prayed the Lord's Prayer. And when he came to the fifth petition, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, he said, yes, Lord, I will. He went to his son's murderer's execution. He went there not to gloat, not to look down, but he went there just to offer forgiveness. And before Sonier was executed, he said, would you forgive me? And Lloyd said, yes, I forgive you. That father had to think about all the years when the son would have been 10 years old and 15 a teenager and and then graduating high school and college and when that son would have been married and when that son would have been an older man like himself and, and none of those things happened for his son. But God gave him the grace and the ability to forgive. At Promise Keepers a number of years ago, a pastor had a conversation with a man. And this man told him how his sister's husband was murdered by another man. And they caught the murderer. He was incarcerated and eventually executed. But the wife of the murderer didn't want to take care of their children anymore. And he said, I adopted those children and we're going to raise them up. That's the grace of God. That's the power of Christ working in a life. You and I cannot do that on our own. I mean, we have a tremendous ability to remember the wrongs of others. Don't we? 
I mean, we could remember 10, 15, 20, 25. We can remember days, dates, details. Now, we always exaggerate what other people do. And what we do, well, we minimize. We say, they're just a little too sensitive, you know? God knows that if we've really experienced his grace in our life, that we will become channels of that grace to others. My third and final point, it's an irrefutable obligation. Notice what the Bible text says. As, underline it, circle it. Forgive us as, as we forgive others. We're saying, God, how I treat him, you treat me. Jesus taught us to pray that way. And then Jesus went on and said, I want you to understand. And don't misunderstand what I'm saying. And he goes on later and explains it and he expounds it. He said, that's right. In the measure you forgive, you will be forgiven. Oh, I want to be a good forgiver. Because I want mercy. Now often what we want is mercy for ourselves and justice for our brother. God, give him what he deserves. God, give me mercy. (laughs) We're called to manifest a forgiving spirit. In Ephesians 4.32, it says, forgiving each other just as Christ. In Christ, God forgave you. The way God forgave you, you forgive others. Robert Louis Stevenson uh, wrote in one of his stories about two sisters who shared a room. And these two sisters had an argument, and guess what? About some matter of divinity, some matter of theological discussion. They got so upset at each other that they drew a line in the center of the room, of chalk, went really right up to the fireplace, went right to the door, so it was exactly half. And they would never talk to each other. They would invite friends over, and the friends would stay at that half. And they lived in utter silence. How is it that in a church people will not talk to each other because they had a disagreement over the color of the carpet? How is it that people... You know what Pastor so-and-so did to me? You know what sister so-and-so did to me? As soon as you're around them, it, it comes out. Have they forgiven? No. Do they know forgiveness? Because when we realize how much we've hurt God and how much we've sinned, we just can't do that. We live in a spirit of forgiveness. We live in a spirit of forgiveness. I want to read to you the words of Corey Ten Boom, a Christian who suffered in the concentration camps in Germany. Wonderful Christian lady who's home with the Lord now. But she wrote this. Since the end of the war, I had a home in Holland for victims of Nazi brutality. Those who were able to forgive their former enemies were able also to return to the outside world and rebuild their lives, no matter what the physical scars. 
Those who nursed their bitterness remained invalids. It was as simple and as horrible as that. Corey Ten Boom. How many people are nursing their hurts? You may have gone through a bitter divorce. You may have been deeply hurt by a parent. You may have been betrayed by a friend. But God is wanting you to release them. It's a process. Sometimes we have to work through it again and again and again. But God will give you the grace. Because when you get a vision of what God forgave you, thank you, God. Anything I forgive in comparison to what I've done to you, oh, Lord, I'm not on the short end of the stick on that because I've sinned against you far greatly than anyone has ever sinned against me. In Matthew chapter 18, verses 32 to 35, we see we are responsible to manifest a forgiving spirit. We are responsible to manifest a forgiving spirit. I want to read you Matthew 18, 32 to 35. The master called the servants in. You wicked servants, he said. I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servants just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brothers from your heart. Jesus gave that incredible story, the parable, of a man who owed a debt in no way he could pay. He used astronomical sums. All of the region of that area didn't have that type of money in taxes. There was no way this man could pay that debt. Jesus was actually trying to really make the point to the people that the man was beyond hope. He had this humongous debt, and he's forgiven. He pleads for mercy. Oh, God, forgive me. Be merciful to me, Master. I'll pay you back. I'll pay you back. No way he could have paid him back. And he just wrote off the debt. Immediately he goes out. He sees a fellow servant, somebody that owes him a small amount of money. He gets him by the throat. He had the right to do it now. It was his right. He says, pay me everything you owe me. The man didn't have the money, so he threw him in jail. The man knelt down and prayed the same prayer that he had prayed. How many times have you gone to the Father in heaven and you've said, Father, forgive me. And God cleansed and wiped the account clean and completely forgot. Richard Wormbrand tells a story. When he was in prison in a communist country, here in the prison he was put with prisoners who were dying. There was a pastor, and then there was a communist who had been betrayed by his own party. Now, the communist who had been betrayed by his own party had actually beaten this pastor. 
And the pastor was lying on his cot, dying. And here the communist soldier was thrown in. And the communist soldier knew that he was also dying. And so he said, I can't live with myself. Can you forgive me? Immediately the pastor stood up, as frail as he was. He motioned to one of the other prisoners who was a Christian. They gathered around the soldier, and one of the men began to stroke the soldier's hair. And he said, and I want to read to you his words. I have forgiven you with all of my heart, and I love you. If I, who am only a sinner, can love and forgive you, more so can Jesus, who is the Son of God, and who is love incarnate. Return to him. He longs for you much more than you long for him. He wishes to forgive you much more than you to be forgiven. You must repent. There in the prison cell, that soldier repented of murders, of all sorts of crimes, and they prayed, and he received Christ. The pastor went back down the lioness cot, the other Christian, And both the pastor and the other Christian died that night. They went home to be with Jesus. We have been given a responsibility to forgive. That doesn't mean that suddenly we walk back into a situation that's going to be harmful to us. That doesn't mean that everything all of a sudden means that, you know, it was way the way... was before, but it does mean I release that person. I don't hold that account. I give them freely forgiveness. Every time you pray, forgive us, you're saying, forgive my sister, forgive my brother, forgive my friend. Don't contradict that prayer by the way you live. Live out that prayer and become a channel of mercy to others. This past week, I heard the tragic story of a pastor friend that I knew. He had served God valiantly as a missionary, working with the poor and the needy, the outcast. And he had fallen into sin His marriage dissolved overseas. I diligently looked to find his phone number because I knew this man. And he said, how did you find me? I said, well, it took a little searching, but I found you. And I said, I just wanted to talk to you. And he began just in his own heart, said, I've made a mess of my life. I'm so sorry I've hurt so many people. And I said, God's grace is greater than all of our sin. There, you don't have to make anybody pay for their sins. God's the one who settles the account. And built into sin is his own judgment. Built into every sin is his own consequence. But God calls you to be an instrument of grace. The Lord's Prayer is a prayer in the Bible that is known the world wide. 
There is so much truth contained in this example of how we're to pray. From hallowing the name of the Lord to delivering us from the evil one. Each day, Pastor Ed will share with us what each piece of this prayer means and how it applies to our lives today. Thanks for joining us today. You've been listening to Voice of Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now, we want to encourage you to log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. To stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Voice of Faith, subscribe to our Twitter feed at VOF Radio. Again, to follow the Voice of Faith Twitter feed or to access the archive of messages, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com. Or if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. In the next edition of Voice of Faith, Pastor Ed will continue sharing messages from this series entitled The Lord's Prayer, taught from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11. So be sure to join us. Until then, may God richly bless you.